Hi, I'm Mark Hill, and this is the segment, The Podcast. I believe in human's potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long-lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. Yo, senders, welcome back to the segment podcast. This is episode 88. Booyah! That's right, episode 88 with special guest Mike Franzi, the owner of Fullerton Bicycles. Before we jump into the show, I do want to just say if you are in the corporate world or doing something that you may be interested in but not loving, you're looking for something closer to your passion, this is the episode for you because in Mike's story, there is a turning point in which the bike really helped come and save the day. And all the special people that he's met and a lot of the stories that Mike talks about really has to deal with the progression of the sport that we enjoy today. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Before we jump in, special thank you to the supporters of the Segment Podcast and Segment YouTube channel. Big thanks going out to bike support from YT Industries. YT Live Uncaged. If you're looking for a bike, take a look at the YTs. Add them up to whatever that you're looking at. There's a lot of great bikes out there from YT. So hope you guys can find something you like. Also, a big special thank you going out to SSB, Sand Sports Brothers, for their ultimate spray and wash, tire sealant, and now chain lube. Simply the best. I use it on all my bikes, and I actually really love that product. Big thanks going out to Dianese MTB, keeping us protected while we're on the trails. Dianese making like high-tech material that's lightweight and durable while keeping us protected. Check them out. Check out my buddy Rich at the Dianese OC store if there's something that you really like and you're in the area. Also, big thank you to Spy Optic. Without our eyes, we can't read the lines. So big thanks going out to Spy, keeping us protected and visually clear and clean while we're on the trails and off with their lifestyle wear. If you guys are interested in any of these products that I've been talking about, there are affiliate links as well as promo codes down in the descriptions below. And speaking of promo codes, only from now until the end of the year, Etnies Shoes, Etnies dot com forward slash mtb has dropped a 40 percent off code to all of the listeners of the segment podcast and beyond the promo code is the segment 40 and is good till the end of 2022 on any shoe whether it's a lifestyle or mountain bike that you want from etnies go check it out before they are gone without further ado let's jump in and catch up with mike franzi as well we get a chance to catch up with him while he's waiting for his wife jody to fly in from italy Enjoy the show, everybody. See you on the end. What is happening, folks? Ladies and gentlemen, we have Mike Franzi on the podcast today. What's up, Mike? What's going on? Dude, good to see you, brother. Thanks for those for of you, me. heck yeah. For those of you who don't know Mike, uh, Mike is the owner of Fullerton Bikes out there in Fullerton. Mike, tell them a little bit about the bike shop and then we'll definitely dive into the story. So yeah, my name is Mike Franzi. I'm the owner of Fullerton Bikes, Buena Park Bikes, and Fullerton Electric Bicycle Center, which recently acquired uh, right before COVID. 
So three bike shops, um, a lot of work, a lot of history with my shops. 1967, it was started by uh, Mr. Campbell. So we got almost over 50 years of being in the community. And then I've been the owner for 20 years this March. Oh, wow. So we'll celebrate that, which is uh, a, an amazing blessing considering everything that's gone down and through in this world. Um, it's crazy. Dang. I, I had no... I had no idea that many years, yes. 50 years of, of lineage, 20 years of your ownership. Correct. Oh, holy cow. And always there in the Fullerton yeah, this, Park this, area. This building, believe it or not, when it was built by the Maroney family, this building was built to be a bike shop. And at that time, back in the, you know, those times, there was about three or four locations that were built like this. Some of them are still bike shops, not too many of them. I think uh, the only one that's left would be Two Wheels, One Planet, Costa Mesa. That uh -huh. was part of it, but the building's different. But there was Cerritos, and then there was Paramount, and a few other shops. And the buildings were the same as they are like this. They all look the same. They call it a butler building. Whoa. For those people that don't understand construction. Yeah, dang. Man, Mike, that goes back a little ways. Yes. And that's crazy. Now, if you guys have done your homework and, and Googled Mike's name or heard of Mike's name out and about on the trails or just in the MTB community, Mike goes back back into this sport and he's got some great stories and a, and a lot of relationship with a lot of the pros and a lot of the folks that helped develop what mountain biking is today. Um, Mike, let's go back to like when you first jumped on a bike, how old were you and what kind of bikes were available then? Wow. Well, okay. So when I started and I just posted a picture on my Instagram of my first bike when I was four years old. So that's oh. 53 years ago with training wheels. Um, you know, the bikes was different back then because as kids, we didn't have cell phones and all these distractions. We had a bike, skateboard, football, basketball, and maybe some Tonka toys, right? So yeah. we didn't have that. So like to me, I can remember like riding that bike, then that picture on my Facebook page or Instagram page, excuse me. Like the next day I got on my bike and I rode it and I could never go past this line on the sidewalk down the street. But when I got the bike, for some reason, I had as a five-year-old, four-year-old kid, I go wherever I wanted to. It was freedom, right? Right. So I took my bike and I rode past that line <laughs> and my mom couldn't find me. Oh, no. I freaked out. And when I got home, my dad beat my rear end. I don't want to <laughs> Back in the days when you could spank kids, right? <laughs> I got spanked. Yeah. Trust me, my dad spanked me. But so it was different. But that was like my first introduction to bicycles as a kid. And I just loved riding it even back then, dude. It was it was everything. But, you know, kind of forward. So I lived in Cyprus, moved to Fullerton. And I've said this in other podcasts and videos and stuff. My dad took me to see On Any Sunday. Now, that was like – I wanted to ride a motorcycle. I don't know why I like motorcycles. I just did. Um, but my dad and parents would never let me. So BMX was the next thing. And – there was an entry, opening scene. Everybody's seen it a million times. That blonde-haired kid with his shirt off rides his wheelies and the music. And it was like, this is rad. Now, this yeah. is where the story goes kind of sideways. Oh, no. Well, I have a 16-inch <laughs> little Schwinn Stingray bike. It's blue. My dad's next-door neighbor at my Fullerton, when we bought this house in 1970-ish, there was no backyard, grass. It was all dirt. You had to do it yourself. So I'm making little wooden jumps. So we see out the movie on any Sunday. This gentleman... Frederick next door works for McDonald Douglas. He made me like a little motorcycle fender and a little round number plate. Okay. This other dude, Billy Jenkins, my parents' best friend, he was kind of into BMX. So I kind of idolized him. And then we made my bike cool. You know, he put like motorcycle bars on it and did stuff. And we were kids, but yeah. that's kind of where it all started. Then when I, you know, get into my younger teens, I wanted to 
like I was still riding a BMX bike. I was playing basketball, soccer as a kid, right? Well, what was cool was I found out through a magazine at the library, it was Sports Illustrated Kids, there was a picture of a BMXer on it. Oh. So check it out. Check first the exposure out. To, to that type of promo? Yes. Okay. So I took the magazine, took it home, and I memorized it. And I found out they're going to hold races at La Mirada Regional Park. Ooh. So that's like close. So I'm like, Dad, take me to a race. I'm an only child. My dad was a true Italian, the greatest man ever walked the face of the earth. And he's kind of like, ah, you should be playing golf or soccer or whatever. Yeah. No, dad, I don't want to do a BMX race. So we kind of go there. <laughs> Let's go take a look at it first, son. You know, walk before you run, blah, blah, blah. So we do. And I, I, I am there. And I mean, it's like a candy store. I see these racers and I'm like 12 years old-ish. And look at all these bikes, oh, like how trick they were, Schwinn V-Tread and I met a guy that's still a really good friend of mine today, Steve Bemke, and wow. uh, he watches this, but he was like, had this rad bike, and that's another long story, but I remember that like it was yesterday, and he still comes to my shop, and we're good friends, even wow. working during COVID, but regardless. Dang. So then I find out when the next race is, it's a dollar to race, and I go there, and I am so nervous and scared to like race, I get dead last. Every oh. race, I don't qualify for the main, I don't get a trophy, I don't get a participation award, I get Zero, dude. It's over. Oh, damn. I didn't care. I didn't care because I was stoked because this is what I wanted to do. So I go home That's... and I clean my bike, and my mom's kind of like, ah, eh, maybe you should do something dangerous. Couple kids, whatever. Yeah. So you know, fast forward. Took me about six months to figure it out, and I'll never forget my first. Like back then, when I was just a beginner, you only got a trophy if you got first place because that was what the beginner class was. So now I built a new BMX bike. It was a Powerlite. I got it from Pedal Power Cycling in Orange. Steve Rink sold it to me. Oh man! I remember it. Great guy. That was my dream to be like a power light racer. So I had the jersey, and I looked like a you know a, as, as a beginner, right? So I get in the main. I'm, I'm starting to race a little bit better, and I'm a little guy. I'm just, you know, I was only like back 13. I was smaller for a 13 year old. I mean, I still haven't really grown to full size adulthood. But so I'm like in the gate, and they're getting ready to do the gate, and I'm like nervous, and I'm like, I know in my back of my mind, I can win. I can beat these guys. I know I can ride better, but I just didn't have that confidence. And the gate drops, and I kind of get a whole shot, and I'm pedaling. And in my peripheral vision, I could see everybody going behind me. Ooh. Like, I could win this freaking race. Yeah, confidence level and rises. And I mean, my face lit up. I hold that. There's a picture somewhere of my photo books. I held that trophy up, and I was so proud and such a geeky-looking kid with the long <laughs> hair and, you know, whatever. But it was just – it was awesome. So that – Kind of started my BMX racing. That was I had a career, but I did that and I raced and it was really fun and good. And then you know, I started racing more and more, but not really serious because my parents kind of weren't like they didn't, they supported me, but they didn't because okay. it was dangerous. I mean, not dangerous, but it was dangerous. And um, it was just a weird time. So I rode bikes and went to school and did all that. And about fifteen or sixteen, it all kind of changed, and it changed through me finding a local BMX spot that's Parks BMX that we built back in the 80s. And I'm like an eighth grader. And I start working at this place with one of my buddies, who's a still friend of mine, Ted Posh. We kind of start building this thing. And it was called Parks BMX. If you look at my Facebook, Instagram page, I got photos as much as I can riding there. And wow. it kind of became like this hot spot, like where you, like Greer. I kind of yeah. built a mini Greer for BMX. Wow. So, I built the starting gate and it was like a full racetrack. So as time goes on, it's getting popular. It's getting bigger. 
I'm racing Orange Y. I'm racing Irvine, Azusa, local scene. I'm like 14, 15 intermediate, winning some races, going kind of fast, but not, I'm no threat to, you know, Pete Longkarovich and Greg Hill and these guys. But, you know, I was doing good. So uh, Parks is getting bigger. Now it gets a little bit on the map, kind of like what happened to Greer. And next thing you know, you got some of the pros, you know, Stu Thompson, Perry Kramer. Pete Longkarovich, Eric Carter, Brian Lopes, you know, all these guys start showing up here because it's a place you can ride your bike and train. Yeah, good so training then, facility. Yeah. Right, so now, you know, no different than Greer, you got Mountain, well, not Mountain, you got like the magazines coming out and they're doing photo shoots there. So mm. I connect myself with BMX Action, you know, Bob Osborne and Wendy and Gork. I'm connected now. They love me because, you know, I, I can ride a BMX bike. I can jump. I, I had that, I can buy that place with my eyes closed. I mean, I, I owned it. No different than mm. you riding 100 times down Greer, you're going to get fast, dude. Yeah, so you're, you're that, in the mix, man. Right. So then Dean Bradley and John Kerr, they do BMX Plus magazine. And then uh, Osborne and Wendy and Gork do BMX action. So uh, I get a phone call at my house one day from Dean Bradley, who was like the editor or photo guy for the magazine. And he freaking says, dude, I want you to be a test rider. I'm like, oh, my God, a test rider. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. so I got to do some testing and. I could jump, but I kind of started, I got a lot of magazine coverage. Me and this guy named Tim Abbott, he's still a friend. I ran into him at the bike shop again. And it was just, it was rad. So I did a lot of testing for the magazine. The new bike would come out. They'd give me a call, put the kit on and go do some testing. And then BMX Action was doing this thing called Local Thrashing. Now, BMX Action would be like People Magazine. Like BMX Plus was good. Yeah. BMX Action, you know, Osborne and those guys, they could control it. Gotcha. That's like the... That's like the Thrasher magazine for skateboarding. Yes, basically. it was yeah. the pinnacle. There was other skateboarder magazines, but that Thrasher was the one. Yeah. So Gork or Wendy calls me up and says, we're doing a thing on local Thrash, and I want to do a thing on Parks because Parks was pretty, like, world famous. So I was like, this is cool. I'm in. So we dial the track in, sweep it, water it. It's on a Saturday. They show up. I put on these red Levi jeans. They were red like this thing. <laughs> I had a black and white flannel. So I am going to, I'm going to jump. I'm going to win the X game contest. So they did all these photo shoots and I was just clicking and whipping. And there's still a photo. If you Google Mike Franzi parks, BMX, BMX action photo comes up. It's just the way I did this jump. I would cross it up and then kind of invert it. And then my seat was super high. So my handlebars got underneath my leg. I don't know. It was a famous photo. It's out there some all over the place to be honest. But anyway, shortly after that parks got destroyed. Uh, the city tore it down. I was involved with the city. It's not because of what it was. It's because what they had to do was it was a green belt and how to get developed. They're like, hey, but hey, you know, you can rebuild it. I'm like, well, time out. I'm like 16, 17 years old now. And yeah, I had quite a few bad injuries racing BMX. I broke my thumb really, really bad at parks. Then I got my thumb healed and I broke my hand. And, you know, my dad's kind of like, uh, dude, you need to get a job and you need to work. We owned our own grocery stores, so I was working part-time for my dad in Monrovia. I was, you know, riding BMX, training with Greg Hill, Dennis Kishiyama. Kind of wanted to turn pro because I was, you know, a pretty well local 16X kid. Um, battled with Jimmy Mock and all the local guys Friday nights, and it was rad. But, you know, I'm like, all right, after the end of this year, I want to turn A pro. And then train really hard and work out. I could do it with school. I, I was kind of going to college and kind of not working at Albertsons and well, actually, no, my dad sold a store. So that happened was I wanted to do that. Right. But my dad ended up selling his own business. We had a gro small grocery stores in Monrovia. There was actually a track in Monrovia. And what happened was he sold a store 
And then I had saved up money. And this is no lie. This is 1985, 86. Don't, don't lock the screen. Leave the screen. <laughs> don't lock the screen. I'll get locked in. Just lock the door. Uh, they could lock me in the shop. That once before. Gotcha. Yeah, Jeff, just close. No screen. Screen's fine. All right. Sorry. No, no. So, long, so, <laughs> so my dad sells a store and it's like he sells it like in April, May. So I think I just graduated high school. So I got, all right, I got like 300 bucks in my pocket. I saved that money in this little box. I had a car and I'm like, well, I'm just going to train or I'm going to be a next bike. So moving forward, my dad's like the end of the summer. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I got like 250 bucks left. I'm going to the BMX races. I'm working out. I'm fit. I'm having fun. And he didn't like that. He's like, you should be in college and this and that. Oh, I get yeah. it. But that was an old school guy. And the I get plan. It. The plan. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And definitely <laughs> back in that timeline, it was a plan. You go to college and anyway. Right. So I end up, you know, kind of long story. I'm still riding BMX. And my dad, he was, God, I mean, I might get teary eyed thinking about him. He was the greatest man ever to walk the face through. Everybody loved my dad. They just, he was amazing. His personality, everything about him. So he was retired. We sold the stores. He was retired. But my dad knew everybody in the grocery industry. So one day he's like, hey, I got to go to Home Depot or whatever it was called back then, Gemco, I think it was. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I'll go with you, dad. So we stopped by this Albertsons and it was a whole setup by my dad. So the general manager at the time. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we walk in and my dad introduces me and he starts talking grocery like you and I are talking bikes, right? Yeah. So my dad's like, uh, <laughs> Jim says, so uh, Mike, what are you doing? My dad just chimes in. Oh, it's nothing. You know, he just got done with, with uh, high school and he's kind of trying to get a job. I'm like, what? No, no, no. I'm going to race BMX. Dad. Let me do my thing. <laughs> right. like, oh, I can put you to work as a box boy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll get a job. Yeah. So I started as a box boy at Albertsons. That was my first, you know, real job. I think I made two dollars and thirty-seven cents an hour, and I was stoked. Dang, right. bike, so, bike money. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm training. I'm working. I'm not going to school. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take a year off and not go to junior college for a year because I wanted to do this. So then I have a really bad crash, and it's kind of funny how everything works in life. Like God had a plan, and I didn't have. And so when I was when my dad sold the store, you know, we had a family insurance. Then I didn't really have insurance with my dad because he was retired. So like they paid for it. It wasn't that good, I don't think. So when I got my job at Albertsons, I become a member of retail clerks. So Ooh, hey, great. coverage. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I fall and break my hand bad and I had to have surgery. And it's uh, there's a picture. I have a picture I found the other day, just ironically, of me in the cast and my dad. And oh. I have scars, but I can't see it. But anyway, so I hadn't been off my retail clerk probation yet because you had to work 30 days okay now, oh, I man. This job, i'm gonna miss work because of surgery but i don't have insurance so my dad of course knowing who he is and what connections he have we go down to retail clerks and it's right across the street from knott's berry farm i remember this so you pull in there and my dad walks in and goes hey i don't remember the guy's name but he was the president of retail clerks and him and my dad were great friends so they walk in and they're, hey how you doing charlie and they're talking and stuff well hey what happened to you and he's talking oh my, my son just got a job at albertson's and this and that and everything else. Like, what happened to your hand? He's like, well, my kind of bad crash on his bicycle and stuff. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. How much work are you going to miss? Whatever. But I said, well, I'll probably miss about two months. He's kind of talking. And my dad says, you know, um, I'm not sure when his insurance coverage starts. Could you look into that for me, please? Oh. And I went to my dad, took the paperwork, said, you guys are all set. Oh. Insurance covered everything. It was probably $20,000 back then. But right. I just wanted wow. to show you, like, what kind of man that I had as a father figure, you know? Yeah. How, I'm forever grateful for my dad being who he was and what he did for me. Yeah. Taking good care of you, man. Yeah. So then, um, you know, so now I'm working at Albertsons and my life is in path and, 
I'm like, I want to become a grocery manager. I went to school to be an architect for a little bit, but that wasn't going to work. So I'm working at Albertsons. I'm kind of done with BMX, you know, the double. Then after I get my hand good, literally like four months to the day, I crash stupidly and I break my thumb oh. and I had to have a surgery. Oh, that's not at- me, but that looks, that's the jump. Yep. There you go. Um, I had to have a surgery. And by having a surgery, I'm like, all right, you know, I, I love the sport, but am I really like, where's it going to go? So, wait, wait, Mike, let me pause you. So you, you crashed, you had your surgery, got it covered. And then after you got back on the bike, four months later, you crashed again and broke your thumb? Broke my thumb and had to have another surgery. Yep. Dude. Exactly. You, oh. And you're so, now you're kind of just questioning, like, what am I doing here? What, why am I yeah. riding? Where's right. this going? Right. So I'm 17 ish. I don't even remember. You know, graduated high school, eight, maybe I was 18. So I kind of get it, you know, I'm like, all right, that's just, you know, I still wanted to ride. Then they tore down parks. The place got torn down, which I talked yeah, about. You were getting I hammered. Like, <laughs> right now. Got torn down. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, what am I going to do here? So I'm working. And then at that time, the store director of the store uh, or grocery assistant, I forget the timeline, but I think it was assistant manager. Yeah, because Jim was a store manager. And then. Sam was the assistant manager. Sam and I kind of became friends. Um, he was cool. And, you know, he's like, hey, I want to take you jet skiing. I'm like, what? What's a, what? I didn't know what jet ski was, I don't think. So he takes me to Lake Elsinore. Oh. I mean, this is like an 86, 87-ish. I, have, I don't have, but it, well, a ways back. Yeah. And we go jet skiing. And I don't know my butt from an elbow on the jet ski. So I wrote <laughs> 440, white 440. And we spent most of the day on our knees because they were hard to ride back then. It was a stand-up. Uh-huh. And I kind of like, this is cool. Like, this is fine. Like, yeah. I like this. You fall, know? fall into water. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> you know. Ice peaks. Right, right. So, you know, I'm kind of working at Albertsons. I was a box boy doing the cardboard at night, I remember. And a couple things were really pinnacle in my life. That I'll never forget this. But, like, I didn't really want to grow up. But I just wanted to be a kid and play. I don't know why, but I just I wanted to play. So I'm at work one day. and. I'm doing price changes because remember back in the day we did the price change where you scrape the things off. Oh, and I'm sitting on the floor and I'm probably daydreaming about riding my bike or a jet ski. I don't remember. And the store director, who's Jim, you know, who I respected, he got me the job and was my dad's friend. He walks up, hey, how's it going, Mike? I go, good, Jim. And he goes, did your dad teach you to work like that? Uh oh. And I just that that freaking I like I was crushed. And I remember I remember that day. Like there were certain days in your life you remember. I remember that experience and I'll oh, share that man. with my son. I did with my son much later. Don't let me forget this. Yeah. Part of who I am. And I'm like, all right, that's embarrassing, dude. And I'm, I'm better than that. Cause I was a BMX racer and I hated to lose. I gave it everything I had. I'm not a quitter. I've never quit anything in my life. I hate that. So I turned it around and I started working hard and I got, that's when I got promoted and I became a, the liquor manager. And then that's when I met Sam. And that's when I went jet skiing. So now, you know, I'm making better money. I got some money. So I go home. And I'm like, mom, I want to buy a jet ski. Back then, it was fifteen hundred dollars from Orange County Jet Ski or Newport Jet Ski. Dang! So it's like, see what it was. So I had to like get a magazine, and anyway, so they took me out there, and my mom bought the jet ski because I had no credit or you know, and I made gave her like five hundred bucks that I had saved up, and then I made monthly payments for the jet ski. I actually found that receipt. I'm an idiot for not keeping it after my mom passed away when we cleaned out her house. I found that receipt for the jet ski. I should have oh, kept it. Wow. But anyway. So that's why I started jet skiing. So now I'm kind of figuring out it's kind of like a BMX on the water and I'm having fun. So I, you know, start modifying my jet ski. I start going to the river, doing what we do. I'm 19, 18, 19 now, you know, 
got a little girlfriend. We're hanging out. I take her a jet skiing and I got my own truck. I had a Mustang, but I bought my dad's truck to jet ski. And now Sam and I are going to the, the river and we're jet skiing. Um, when you say yeah. river, where is that? Lake Park? Or, or? Echo Lodge. That's where we started was Echo Lodge. Gotcha. You know, Echo Lodge. So I spent a lot of time out there on the weekends. And we, like, it's just funny because I'm going to the river again as an, as an adult at my 50s. But like we would leave, I'd leave work at like Friday at like four o'clock and drive to the river and it'd be July. It's 120. We didn't care. We'd camp and we would just have so much fun. <laughs> it was awesome. It didn't, you know, camp in 100 degree weather at the river, but we just wanted to jet ski. So we did that for quite a few years. And then I started racing jet ski. A local guy, TK, did uh, all the work on my jet ski back then. He modified it and built me a faster race boat. And the faster they go, the faster they blow. So and now we're going to this other spot called body beach in havasu and that's kind of like the parks of jet skiing okay where like victor and fashetti and jacobs and all these guys train um we're riding out there my buddy paul's into it billy pointer like we're just it's just it was good times um you know that time um we were doing that and then the sport you know i raced a few but then it started getting like big and like it was expensive and if you blew up a jet ski motor, it wasn't like a bike tire. It was a three to four thousand dollar. And I oh blew up many jet skis, and you know, I bought a seven fifty. And it so then it was like we're going through this phase, and the sport started changing. And when the sport changed, it became more of a sit down. And then I was with my wife Jody, who my wife is today, obviously. Um, <laughs> we just celebrated twenty five years of wedding anniversary. That's oh, pretty congratulations! Cool. Shout out to Jody, yeah. who's. It sounds like she's on a flight right now, getting she back is. home. She's going off from Italy. <laughs> Everybody laughs, like, "Why well, just get her one-way ticket?" I'm like, "No, no." But anyway, <laughs> so you know, river jet skiing, and then you know, I just, you know, we ended up getting married, started a family. Now, let's—I'm not working for Albertsons anymore. That's another story, but that doesn't matter. I didn't get promoted, and then Sam wanted me to work at his store, but it was a different district. And then Jim didn't want me to leave because I ran a profitable grocery. Uh, liquor department for him and then i went to him like three times like dude i'm not gonna stay in liquor i want to be a manager and i don't know why he wouldn't promote me and i just yeah. got pissed and left so it went for course i was yeah. a course beer sales guy and i sold snap it's that's a you know that was an amazing part of my life but we're going to the river and now it's like me and paul and my buddy scott and we're staying at sam's house or we had this trailer that i had in, in <laughs> yeah. I, I back up. we had a little trailer in blythe it was called the cardinal nice I think I bought it with my buddy TK for like, I don't know, $300 and they kept it there and had an air conditioner. So my buddy Ted now is into jet skis and Craig and we got this whole party and we're just going to the river like as much as we can. H&L had company gas, which was cool. So <laughs> I never for gas. Either did my friends. Right. Our jet skis were almost full. Wink, Dang. wink. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> yeah. How's that happen? I don't think I myself on that today, but so was BMX like kind of like way on the back burner at this I'm point? Done. You're done. I'm okay. I mean, I still yeah. love the sport. I still follow it. I had a BMX bike. Maybe once in a while I'd go to the Orange yeah. Y and, and ride, but there was no local thrashing or anything else. So but you're all in. Did, I was in. So yeah. to be a good jet ski racer, you know, I mean, you had to be fit and not that I was ever fit, but you needed endurance and stamina. So a lot of the jet ski riders trained on bikes to get cardio because a 20 minute motor on a jet ski and unpredictable water on a 440 jet ski or a 550, you got your butt handed to you yeah, as far as fitness not goes. All, not always so glass. I'm like, Whatever. So we end up, uh, I start riding a bike to get myself in shape. Ooh, it's calling and you back. There you go. <laughs> so, 
I want my buddy works for GT at the time, Dennis Kishiyama, BMX guy. And Dennis, I call up Dennis, I'm like, hey, I want to get a mountain bike. So I get a GT Karakorum or a Zas car. It was a pretty nice bike. 500 bucks, 19 mid 80s, maybe early 90s, I forget. Okay. So I get this jets, this this bike, and I start riding to get shape. So then my buddy Paul, who I still my best friend today, we're brothers. Uh, we go to the river all the time. He's got a place out by me now, and it's all good. He was jet skiing, but he was in he was a runner and a cross country guy, so he was fit. So he takes me on this mountain bike ride, and we ride on we ride Whiting Ranch before it was even Whiting Ranch. Okay. I got this cool mountain bike. I got some nice tires on it. I got like Anza tires. I got answer bars, Cook Brother cranks, I think, and whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a natural, right? To I would nice. yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, I probably made the first climb up mustard. I was like, F this sport. <laughs> I uh, need another line. <laughs> no way. Paul's laughing. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, we have to go down the hill. I'm going to show this guy how to descend. Uh-uh. This guy drops me. It's way different than BMX. I couldn't keep my feet in the pedals. So I just go, you know what? I'm over it. This isn't for me. Oh, man. But I, I just, you know, I needed some fitness. So about three months later, go on. Jet ski season's kind of over. The summer's done. And I run my buddy Ted, who's a swimmer for college, and he's super fit. And he's, like, all lean and, like, he's riding a mountain bike. So, but his mountain bike had slick tires on it. He's like, let's go for a ride. So I'm living in Garden Grove, and he's, like, Get some 26 by one tires. You can get them up to performance and we'll make it like a road bike. And I got this good loop. So I was like, all right. So I kind of start riding with Ted and I start getting some fitness back. So that mm. changes everything. Yeah. So now I understand jet ski racing, but remember I was kind of getting out of it because I was yeah. kind of done with it, but I'm having fun on the bike because I now have done like, you know, like the first time you go riding, your buddy takes you up top of Greer, you're done. But yeah. if you, you know, now that you're riding a lot, you get it. You're fit. You're better. You can do it. So now, yeah. I got some fitness in. I feel pretty good. Um, I go riding with some guys that I rode with, like like um, in the dirt, that like kind of hurt me like a couple times when I was trying. And now we're going in Chino, and I got my bike with mountain bike tires on. I've been probably putting maybe you know maybe a thousand miles in four months or something. And like I kind of like drop these guys. I'm like, yeah. Oh. So then <laughs> I'm still working at Coors because I left Albertsons. And I'm driving to my mom's house for lunch. Who lives in Fullerton. Coors was in Santa Fe Springs. And I ride by, I drive by the Fullerton Loop, which wasn't known as a Fullerton Loop. Yeah. And who did I run into? Toby Henderson. And Toby Henderson's got this Iron Horse mountain bike. And I'm like mesmerized. We touch, we touch base. I see him, pull over, we talk. And he's like, dude, you should come do a mountain bike race. I'm like, yeah, where can I go? He takes me to Fontana. I race downhill. Wow. Um, I think I got third my first race. And I'm wow. pretty slow. So I do a couple races, end up getting second overall in the series. This is ADA. Uh, anyway, so I do a couple races. And then my buddy Paul, who's doing cross country, wants to come out and race. The cross country in the morning, downhill in the afternoon with Donnie. And he'll what? tell you the story. He remembers when he used to run both in the same day. Oh, so we get gosh. there. We get there early for Paul to race cross country. Paul races and gets like second or third. And I wait. And I race downhill later. And we do our deal. So a couple races later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try a cross country race. So I raced cross country on an Iron Horse THE one. I was gonna uh, say same bike. Same bike, 140 millimeters of travel, you know, downhill type bike. And I end up getting third or fourth in beginner. <laughs> I'm like, right on, dude, you know. So I'm getting <laughs> downhill riding with Paul, and you know, we got we got a group of guys, and it was pretty cool. So then I start doing both, and then I end up getting with Toby, and I buy an Iron Horse hardtail, build a hardtail, and start, you know, doing both. 
So then, you know, I'm having fun. I move up in class. I'm racing the Michael Epstein series, Benelli, and, like, we went to San Jose, and we did uh, Shabaran Park, I think. I forget, but we did some good races. So I do this downhill race, and I moved up to Expert. I mean, I kind of skip up, but it doesn't matter. I move up to Expert. Yeah. Are these still two races races in the day, XC and then downhill? I think he might have changed it. I don't really recall if he was doing both because it was getting bigger. So now I've, you know, the course are getting bigger. I end up getting a intense M1 back then. Now oh. I got hydraulic brakes. I got to, you know, like if you go back and look at the intense, like the first, second generation of those bikes, I had one. It was yellow. I had the Mavic yellow wheels. Like, oh, me up. I was, I was loving it. Right. So to make it I'm in this series, I'm racing the expert class. I think I'm sitting fourth or fifth overall. And I like, all right, I need a good run. I need to get, I want to get on the podium. And there's this G out section I hit and I went over the bars and I fell and I land on the back of my head. I did one of those. Oh, I could feel every vertebrae in my neck crack as I went down. I'm oh, like, oh man. Oh, I, God. I, I, initially I thought I was like paralyzed, but I could move. So I kind of get up and my buddy David Langer was chasing me, like cheering for me. He was a pro. He's like, okay, Francie, get up, get up. And I kind of got up and finished. And I was like, that was scary. That was yeah. a risk. So I kind of stopped doing that and I started doing more. XC stuff, and I was fine. Then I started doing some road racing and some crits at Long Beach. Then it's just weird. So not racing jet skis. I'm hardcore into bikes. I'm working for – I'm not working for Coors anymore. Now I'm working for Arizona Ice Tea Company. I left Coors, went to work for Arizona. Life was good. Great job working for Arizona. I got my buddy Paul a job. You know, um, I think I, at that time, Jody and I had got married. Uh, we started a family. And I'm riding bikes, family, work. We're good, right? Well, I go to New York, 9-11. No joke. I'm in an airplane. Whoa, whoa. No, I mean, this is a this is like a separate podcast, but people don't realize, you know, and I'll touch base on that a little bit later, but Fulton bikes wouldn't exist for me if it wasn't for 9-11. So I go to New York, 9-11. I land. They're blowing up trade centers. The whole thing is just a mess. I mean, Jesus, it was you were I actually those people. You, you were there. I, there dude. I could see oh from Mr. Lucas's house, whose house was worth over $40 million. We could see Manhattan and I could see the ash, the smoke, oh, I could see all geez. that stuff. Oh, man. You were was, there. So I call my wife and I'm freaking out and she's freaking out. I got two young kids at home, but I'm okay. And like New Yorkers are tough people, man. These guys are tough. You can see right through them. This was like nothing you've ever seen. So I'm trying to get home. I don't know if I'm going to drive. I'm going to fly. Three or four days go by. Don still holds this meeting, and I respect Mr. Voltaggio. He's a brilliant man. I had so much respect. He was a personal friend. He's one of the most successful beverage guys ever. But during this meeting, like, the world's coming to an end. That's what I know. Sure. I'm having a meeting about how much iced tea I sold last month. Like, right. no. I, I need yeah. to get out. I'm out, dude. So that turned me from love. that, And I love that job. I love that company. I love what I did. And I met some great people there. One of my bosses, his name was Bob McLeod. Loved the man to death. Backwards, I had lost my dad during probably, gosh, it'd be almost 35 years ago. So during that, I lost my father. Not an only child. So at that time, I think I worked for Coors when I lost my dad. Then when I left Coors, I left, left Coors for Arizona. I got fired from Coors. So I did Albertsons. I left, went to work for Coors, spent seven years there. Got fired because oh, no. it's, it's I, I, another blessing. It was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. That's how I got Arizona. I was already interviewing. This guy didn't like me. We didn't get along with my sales manager. He terminates me because he was an idiot. And that's okay. 
looking for an excuse anyways probably right, whatever i was a scapegoat i didn't care so i got a little condo um you know i think i was engaged at the time to my wife and i come home i'm like i lost my job oh. but i had already interviewed with snapple in arizona and i think i got an offer from arizona but i was kind of holding out to see if i get one from snapple that was my dream job okay but snapple couldn't hire anybody from a distributor and this then they sold quaker oats sold and all different things happened so i ended up taking the job with arizona so that's kind of where i was when i was at arizona i wasn't i was racing mountain bikes yeah okay so now i'm at arizona is arizona is Arizona be is that is that a subsidiary of Pepsi Cola? No, or, Arizona yeah. is still owned to this day by Mr. Don Voltaggio. He did oh. never sold. Sobe sold, Snapple right. sold, they all sold. He's an independent owner, hundred percent shareholder. He's the man. Dang. So, so I'm riding, racing, not jet skiing. That's kind of done. Um, mountain bikes. I go to New York, nine eleven. Family, kids. It's a mess. I'm like. What am I going to do? I, I didn't like this guy. So Bob McLeod, and it was a crazy situation because Don was a billionaire, corporate America, but he made his own decisions. He didn't, there was no board. There was nobody. He could do whatever the hell he wanted to. I was a billionaire. Yeah, right. And Don was, he was, he was a wacko sometimes, man. He'd say some stuff. He'd be like, are you kidding me? You want me to tell the grocery <laughs> manager at Albertsons? You're looking around. I got from college. <laughs> I don't have 99 cent free price cans on this. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But, it was it was still great and so much respect and I made so many great friends. But Bob was kind of like my dad because I didn't have a father figure. And I'm an only child. My mom's still alive and she was a great lady and I love her to pieces. But she wasn't my dad. We didn't have that relationship, you know. And wow, it's so it was just so weird. So I, I Bob to this day I love him to death and I I need to call him and just tell him how much I love him. He's such a great man. He's like, Mike, you're too young. You need to get out of Arizona. You're not going to oh, go. Wow. You're going to wow. go with Rocco, Steve Pirano, and Rob Marciano in New York. And they're just different guys. They have a hidden agenda. And just, you need to get out, dude. And you can you see you're different. Passion. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I don't know, man. I knew after 9-11, I knew I didn't want to work for the man anymore. I mean, I just, like, I wanted to be me. I wanted to, but like, what am I going to do? Just sure. about a house, starting a family. So I have a connection here at Fullerton Bikes because the guy that used to run it was Craig. And actually, I saw Craig today. Good kid. You know, at the time, he was young. He was working for his uncle, Bud. He was a nephew. And Craig was Craig was great. Um, yeah, SSB Hello. was in the house. Oh, there's Big B. This is what a family. Brother Mike on the podcast. Let's go. We have a great relationship as well. But anyway. Good dude. I'm like, I don't know. So one of these guys I know is like, you know, you need to open a bike shop. I'm like, I'm not going to a bike shop. You know, I don't, I got, I just bought a house, whatever. So <laughs> it just so happened, and I want to put it on the podcast, but there was a falling out between family ship, and I don't know if Bubba's was going to sell this shop or not. So I don't know what was going on, but I started talking to Bud, and I'm like, hey, man, if you want to, like, what's your plan? And Bud's like, I don't know, you know, Craig got a different job. He was running it. They didn't really have a manager. He had this gentleman, Jeff. He had Buena Park, which was still a store. He had two stores. So I just said, you know, would you ever consider selling it? Now, at this time, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know how I could even pull this off, but right. I thought it was worth a conversation. I had to get out of Arizona. I had to. I just wasn't happy. I lost my passion to work. It was eating me up inside because I wasn't who my dad trained me and wanted me to be. And I wanted to be a real person. I wanted to work hard for my family. And I wanted to get done with every day and be like, I accomplished something. I got to be better tomorrow. That's who I was. 
Yeah. And in Arizona, because I hated them so much, and I was so disappointed after 9-11 and just seeing things I did, it's like I lost my love for that company. It tore me up. I didn't go to, into depression, but I was pretty miserable. Yeah. I started talking oh, like about right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just I could talk for four days about that stuff. But so I start talking to Bud and he's like, you know, we might consider selling the Fullerton store because I'm kind of getting, he's in his late fifties, early sixties, kind of thinking about his exit strategy, I guess. And he was super successful and did a great job. He's an early pioneer. I could go on for days, but Bud was a good man. So one of the biggest things that concerned me was I know there was some family and I'm like, I don't want to create any problems between any of the family. If this goes that way, it's not worth it. And that's just the way I operate. And Bud's like, no, you know, it's not a big deal. I got the other store. We're not sure where we're going to go, but you're good. So I was like, all right. So anyway, we end up negotiating a deal and I end up taking up ownership March of 2003. Whoa. I probably wouldn't have pushed it this hard, but my dear friend, Bob McLeod kept telling me, Mike, you don't want to be 55 and look back and be like, yeah. what did you do? Like, why didn't you do it? Take right. the chance now. You could always get a job. You're, you're... I was like, I got to do this. So we and Bud negotiated a deal. We get it all taken care of. You know, I understand small business because my father owned the grocery store. So I had some passion. I understood how he did his business. I understood bikes. It was part of my life. I understood numbers and calculations and how to do spreadsheets, Excel because I'm Arizona iced tea. I knew I love people and I knew I wanted to make people feel good. And that's something my father taught me, you know, and in life today, we have so many distractions, so much crap going on and everybody's always worried about everything else. But right. one thing my dad taught me, and I'll take this to the grave with me. And I share this with an old friend I chatted with a while back. Like nobody's going to remember what watch I had or how many races I won or how fast I was, or if I had all these Strava KMs, but what they're going to sure. remember me for is how I treated them. And my dad was the king of that because when we had his funeral, I can't tell you how many people I didn't even know came and they were talking wow. to me about how, what a great man he was. So awesome. I made a, I made a promise to my father, God rest his soul. Like, I don't want to let you down, dad. I want to be all of that and more if possible. And if I could accomplish half of him, I've done great in my life. And when I'm six feet under, I'll be, I'll, I'll know I did good to humans. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. so that's kind of how I model my business and how we run it. But so now I've owned this business. I take over ownership. And, you know, when I'm talking to Bud negotiating, you know, I got a little bit of a 401k. I got some some state bonds, but we needed some collateral. So now picture this. I have a small house. I've only been in maybe a year. It was about 250000 when I bought it in 98 99 Okay. You got the family <laughs> um, there. Right. We're, you know, I think Jody just had a kid. We had our second. No, we had Brent because 9-11 happened. Brent was two years old. So, yeah, it was about the house in 99 now it's 2002, 2003, right? Okay. So I need collateral. So I don't have enough collateral because the business, you know, I spent some money for this business. There was some inventory and goodwill and good faith and all worked out. So I need collateral. So I have to go to my mom and I'm like, Hey mom, you know, I, I, now her house is all paid for. It's all inherited. There's nothing, no debt. You know, they had the house for since 1970 ish. Like I told you, so she's got, you know, and she's on a fixed income. She had her inheritance, but she gets social security and some small stuff and she did fine. But my mom, by the grace of God, you know, she was there for me. And I'm, I'm grateful. And she put her house wow. on collateral. Wow. So if, if this thing would have went south, you know, you just think about what it would have, like, I mean, she could have lost her home. So I knew that in the back of my mind every single day when I'm running this business. And, yeah. you know, by the grace of God, it all worked out. I made all my note payments to Mr. Campbell. I paid off my loan. I paid the rent. I mean, everything worked out great. So thank you. Oh, you man. Forever grateful. Glory to God. You know what I'm saying? But no, no big deal. So, you know, here I am now in the shop, you know, 2003, 2004, and Bud comes up to me and he says, hey, 
we're going to sell Buena Park. What do you think? Whoa. So I'm like, oh. So it's been two years. I'm just getting my feet wet. He had another shop, Bellflower Bikes, I think still exists. And he just recently sold, he just, he had sold that to another guy, kind of similar to me. And so to get the shop, Jeff and I, Jeff owned Bellflower, Bellflower Bikes, and he was a great guy. He just recently passed of cancer. Mm. And I had a heart of gold. It's really sad, but he was a good human and uh, we had a good relationship. So me and him were kind of like interviewing with Bud and negotiating how to get the shop because by that to make a decision. He already sold one to Jeff. He had one to sell to me. So like, where do I want to go? So anyway, long story short, I ended up, you know, being the guy that took the store over. So I bought wow. Buena Park and this was 2005. So I got have two. Oh my gosh. I'm still young on this business. You know, I'm, this is going back. I mean, I've been over 20. So you're looking at 17 years ago. I'm in my mid thirties and it was hard. It was, you yeah. know, just employees and the stuff we were doing and, but we made it work and, you know, it was good. So it all worked out. Obviously, because I'm still here today. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, <laughs> I'm grateful. But it all worked out. So we do this whole, you know, we sell the bike, she sells the bike shop, and you know, I'm doing this. And now let's kind of move up a little bit. So I'm kind of a mountain biker and digging the road bike thing. I got my buddies we ride and my mechanic road and Ozzy and me had some little teams and stuff. But then my son. You know, he doesn't know anything but bicycles because that's what I teach him, right? Because I didn't play football. So, hey, Brent, you're going to be a bicycle rider. Whether you love or not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, no different than any parent would do. They put their kids into what they liked. Right. And my son at a young age took a love for the bicycle. I think he said bike before he could say my name. Before <laughs> he so said yeah. that. You know, I got some photos <laughs> somewhere of him on like in this little two wheeler thing. It was great. So, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm on a bike shop. We're getting things going. Let's start going to the BMX races. I get this kid a little BMX race bike with the skinny tires. And it was really cool. So here we go. Um, I'm thinking my, my son's going to be the next freaking Donnie Robinson, Kyle Bennett. He's going to be the shredder because I rode BMX bikes. We were riding bikes for the neighborhood. So I take him to the track and he's four or three years old. He can't even get around the track. You talk about a man eating crow. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Brent, you suck. Anyway. So we give it some time. He needs to learn and figure it out. He gets better, but he struggled racing BMX too. And it, it was, a, it was competitive back then for five-year-olds, you know, but Brent picked up the sport and started getting some wins and we had a lot of fun. And then my daughter starts racing. So oh, of wow. course I'm a bike shop and I have to give her the best bike in the world. So we built her this all pink bike, completely pink, yeah. everything pink on it. And I got a picture somewhere that my honor, but it's all pink. And Molly is a beautiful human. She's got this long hair and she was beautiful and everybody just loved her. And she actually did really good. And then Paul Washington, the announcer, or was it Tammy East? I think Paul Washington gave her the nickname Penelope Pitstop from the, from the cartoon series Speed Racer. Oh, now, okay. Way back in the late 60s, but Penelope Pitstop was this. Anyway, so Melanie's <laughs> racing and it's a family affair. So I got the Fullerton bike team. We're selling a ton of BMX bikes. I kind of figure out how to make race bikes and super light and I get set up with all the distributors and suppliers. And, and we were a big BMX store. Like we had a presence. We were such a big BMX store. I think in the, one of the anniversary issues of the ABA USA BMX magazine, we got yeah. awarded like the top 25th bike shop Dang. in America, the history of BMX. So that was Dang. pretty cool. So it, it's you know, cool that BMX came back to you through the shop. It did. It did. So of course my son's racing. What does this fat piece of crap want to do? I want to race BMX again. So now they have a class <laughs> there you go. 35 and over or whatever, 35 and over. And 
Mike's I started my BMX. I built a BMX bike. I figured it out. I learned how to gate start. And I'm going to the track and we're riding and Brent's racing and I'm riding practice. And I look over and it's like some of the same guys that I used to race are racing again. Buckle, yeah. Rwanda, Swanson. I could, you, you know, see. Arlo, Eric Carter. Uh, Eric Carter is <laughs> mountain biking, but we're all racing BMX again. So it's all over. So I'm going to do my first national and, you know, I don't know how these guys are on this game, but I'm going to show all these guys how it's done because I was parks and I'm great and whatever. And I get the whole shot in the main first turn. I'm ripping and I come to these doubles and I think in my mind because I'm 18 in my mind, like I can jump these and I didn't quite make it too well. Oh, no. Well, that ended up in a broken hip and a fractured uh, elbow. So Whoa. <laughs> so first race back. Oh, my God. First big race back, you know. Oh, my so, God. All right. Uh, not cool. We have a motorhome out there. We ran them one. You know, my son races and I'm limping around. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I recover yeah, like. <laughs> and I'm still like, you know what? Like, I'm 40 years old. I don't even know how old I was, but I'm, I can do this again. So I start racing again and I did okay. I had a couple good wins. I won a couple nationals and you know, I was still having fun. And then I had another bad crash. So <laughs> kind of like the hand thing all over again. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm going to take a break, but I still love the sport and my son's racing. I'm riding. So I start, I still want to race though. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's driven in me. And I think it's because am I competitive? Maybe, but I just want to strive to do the best. And if I didn't race, I wasn't, I, I, I could, I could benchmark myself and it's not different than my business. Mm. I want to do better tomorrow yeah. than today. I want Good to measure better it. Than I just left better. I want to call and like, I want to do everything I do. I want to do it better the next day. And that's not easy. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. I think and I always have to be the best. Not to brag or to boast, but just to make myself feel good. And just that's the way my father wanted me to be, was to be the best in life. Nothing else yeah. matters. Yeah, it goes back, goes, back, goes back to that day you were at the store changing the prices. And, and the boss Thank is like, you. is that how your dad taught you how to work? We're going to move on from that conversation. Right? You, you get it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all good, right? So now, um, you know, my son's, you know, we're doing the BMX and I've been hurt. But I still want to race. And it was fun and I liked it. So I started trying to race a little bit and I got in those gates and I was nervous. And I told myself, look, if I'm racing nervous, you got to get out. No yeah. different than when you go up to Rigger Ranch. And if you're nervous going on that hill and you're riding mm -hmm. stiff or tough, you could have an accident because you got to flow. And that's sure. I, I had decent yeah. skill. So I stopped racing a little bit and then I started racing again. I kind of got over it and I never forget, I go to Reno for a big ABA national and I'm racing cruiser. I just came off a really good victory in the cruiser class, which was no joke. Uh, 40 to 45. I think I was racing at the time. I think it was 45. Remember Monday? I'm racing Larry Miyamoto and Bar uh, and I forget. Uh, anyway, and I get third at Vegas. Like, that was oh, huge. Oh, man. I get, was like, I'm get, back. Get bit by the bug again. Here he goes. The first of the year, Reno, big race. I've been training. I've been going to the Orange Y and working out. And my son's hitting it. We got this huge Fullerton team. Make all my mains Friday. I'm stoked. Racing 20 inch and 24. I don't know. I got a couple good finishes. Sunday main. I'm in the cruiser semi. And I don't know what I did, but I fell. I didn't get hurt. But when I was falling and I got up, everybody clapped in the arena because it was an arena race. Ooh. I had like 25 text messages like, dude, are you okay? Like, you have no idea what that looked like. We thought you were paralyzed. Oh, so somebody emailed me a video of my fall and I should have broke my neck. But well, once again, by the great, and I just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm scared you. I'm done. Probably scared you. Yeah. So, so now we're going to kind of get into the ending of, yeah, it did. And I just thought like, I'm over it. I don't, I don't need this. I mean, the man above was watching me and he's like, 
he got me home. So I, I had to count my blessings and I knew that was time. So my son's racing BMX. I'm just a spectator getting photos and having fun and whatever. And, and that can be scary. Kind of he's kind of burnout, <laughs> right? My son's burnout. He's 12 or 13 now and he's burning out, but I'm okay with that. Like I still want him to be Donnie Robinson and Kyle Bennett or whoever. And I could tell he was burning out. So like one day we're driving home and I'm like, I'm going to give him this new helmet, make him all pumped to go to the track. Hey, Brent, we're going to the track. That's your new helmet. You know, the one you wanted. And he's like, all right, whatever. So we go there and I could tell he was kind of burned out. So I'm like, you know, I have that conversation. He's like, let's just take a little bit of a break. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Not what I wanted to do, but maybe just practice. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> um, we're doing a little bit of BMX, and one of my customers comes in and goes, hey, Mike, you got to go out. So now I had, I had raced mountain bike cross country. I'm still doing BMX, a little just riding local, ha having fun, nothing serious, doing some gates, but not racing. Um, kind of started to do some more mountain biking, doing some road biking. Just still riding bikes in general because that's what I love. And long story short was this guy, Tommy Lattenhauer, says, like, there's a new mountain bike race. Meanwhile, my son had done a few times. I'd been taken on the Fullerton Loop, which you probably know of, mm -hmm. on, like this little BMX mountain bike that I made for him. And we're having fun. So I'm like, hey, dude, you want to go to a mountain bike race? Like Tuesday night over the humps? I don't know. It's like, let's go, Dad. I was like, cool. So I have no idea what I'm getting into. Oh, that class, it's like Brent's like 11 and the class was like 16 to 12. But I just kind of got him in under his age and they let him race and he had a blast. Nice. Oh, so, is a good spot. Right, right. So it was pretty cool. So we start telling then I started racing mountain bikes, the same thing as BMX all over. But during that time, I don't remember if it was during BMX or mountain bike. I think it was more mountain bike. My son's you know, like every kid was going and he was faster than he was. My daughter spent time on BMX and then she got really hurt and she broke her thumb. And I was like, I hope I can say that was the dick dad because I made a race and I wanted to race and she didn't want to race, but I wanted to race. Yeah. And at that point I'm like, this isn't for Melanie. She, this, she's done. I get it. I, and it was painful to watch her break her thumb. Um, but I learned a lot during that time of like what it's worth to have, be a good parent versus that. I didn't want them to live through me at that time. Sure. Right. So Brent's, Kind of done with BMX, we're doing mountain biking. But then Brent showed um, a passion, and he was fit, and he was young. He learned to suffer at a young age, and that's a lot of what it is when you go to XC Sports, cyclocross, and all this. So Brent was doing some racing, and he was winning, and he was winning, but then he got beat by some kids, and, you know, your mind works different at that age. So yeah, I could tell Brent pressure. was, like, really kind of struggling, and I wanted him to keep racing mountain bikes. Now I wanted him to be the next John Tomac or – you know, Schroeder, you know, yeah, we moved on. Right. Um, but I could tell it wasn't right. So I had to have a conversation. Brent was about 13 and he raced and he did very poorly. It was high school mountain biking. So Brent's probably 14, 15. It's high school mountain biking is when this conversation took place. I remember coming home from Lake Estate. And I knew Brent should have been in the top three based upon all of his racing and where his fitness, you just know those things as a parent. And I was pretty much a dick, excuse my language, but I wasn't happy with Brent. You could do better than that. Come on, you know, don't, what are you doing? And I'm like driving home and it, it was hard. And I realized that I was that dick dad. Oh, and I, man. I'm thankful. Right. So then I think the next day or two, I, I get home and I go upstairs in Brent's room. And Brent was upset at himself because he knew he was faster. Yeah. And I had that conversation. I'm like, look, Brent, you're my son. I love you. Your mom and I both love you and Melanie to death. We'll do anything for you, as we, most parents do for their children. 
But I said, if you don't want to race bicycles, Brent, that is on you. Okay. Yeah. You got to race bikes for yourself because you love the sport or because you love bikes. I don't want you to race bikes for Mike or for mom or for forward bikes. I don't care. Good save, dad. (laughs) Yeah. It worked out. Thank you. But the point was, is I think that turned in Brent as well. But I said, look, dude, if you're going to race bikes or whatever you're going to do, football, soccer, tiddlywinks, I don't care. (laughs) 110% every time. And if you get first or last, I don't care. But you need to tell yourself you gave it everything you got. We don't quit. We're Francis. We never quit. Nice. And let me tell you, that was a, a big moment as a parent for me. And I encourage any parent out there that is in that situation, which I think a lot of us are. Like, we have to remember our roots because... These kids think for themselves and they want to yeah. do what they want to do. Totally. And it, it kind of turned the page for Brent too. The next year, this kid was on fire and he won some races and we were very proud. He got sponsored by Giant on the co-factory. Oh, yeah. He was a co-factory rider, like potential factory. And he did Ooh. really good. And as a co-factory rider, he struggled as well. He had some problems. The kids were getting faster. He was, you know, in a growing spurt and all puberty and all this stuff was taking mm-hmm. place. And, uh, but he kept honest to it, and, and and he really proved himself. And then my daughter, she chose ice skating and gymnastics, and she did great. And she took what she learned from BMX, and I'm super proud of her. She took what she learned from BMX, and she she was very determined, and, and she did amazing in any sport. She got third in ice skating, and she did very well. Just didn't want nothing to do with the bicycle. So now, you know, Fullerton Bikes, Brentson Giant, we're racing, we're traveling. He loves cyclocross. He loves these endurance sports, and we're doing mountain bike racing, and he did really good. You know, he had a, a successful career. And then, you know, he kind of, the, the mountain bike sport at like what they call U23 was really starting to boom and he could hang, but he couldn't hang with the Blevins. And some of these kids were just like, they were genetically freaks of nature and it was yeah. just different, but he pushed it hard. He did great at all the over the humps. He's the longest racing kid at over the hump. Dang. Day one, he's raced more wow. races than anybody. And Matt, you're out there, you know, that's true. Uh, but I'm proud of him. And he's been on the podium many times. He's won the league. He's won super sport. He's been great. I'm not here back about my son. But then my son kind of went into this, like, I want to race cross. Well, he did doing cross. He did great at cross. We traveled to some nationals. And then he started doing, um, like, these endurance races. Like, mm-hmm. he, made, he did Leadville. He did, he was supposed to do Dirty Kanza or Unbound Gravel. And then he got sick on the way there with bronchitis. And that was a 200-mile oh. race. He had to pull out of that. But it was, you know, a different time for me. So then, you know, we're running the businesses. I've got two shops. Actually, I have three shops now. I had purchased the e-bike store. I'll get back to that in a minute. I'll go to Brent here, and then we'll close. Was um, He really wanted to get into Leadville, and we struggled for three years just due to the way it worked. And wow. he was over it. Like, he was so depressed because I took him to see this Leadville movie, A Race Across the Sky with Lance Armstrong, when Lance did it. Okay. And I was like, I want to do Leadville. And I'm like, dude, you're 13. And he's like, I'm going to do it my time. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you couldn't do it until you're like 18 years old or whatever. And he trained. Anyway, um, he couldn't get in. So last year or two years, yeah, last year, not last year, the year before last, in 2020, uh, Brent went and did a qualifier race and like won. And they what? gave him a golden handshake to go to Leadville. Damn. Like, Talking like, about manifesting your own future there. Yeah, like at 20, I'm like, oh boy. Like, we didn't have a place to stay. It's wow. like three weeks away. So Brent went to Leadville. And let me tell you, if you're a racer of any sort, that is the most magical event I've ever been to in my entire life of racing. Like the story and what people put, it's, it is, it's magical. So anyway, is it, Brent, like, is, 
is it magical because of the actual course or is it because of the entire event like, it is okay. like you're seeing your favorite musician play and you've got your the back of the hairs on your standing yeah. up and i mean wow. it is magical and the just the event like what these people put in and how hard and physically demanding Linville is yeah it is absolutely mind-boggling anyway i can see that um Brent had a goal to get under nine hours and you get this big belt buckle. Now, granted, you start at 14,159 feet. Start. You start at no altitude. Oh and then you God. climb. I, it's the, it, the whole thing's this mind boggling. You can't even breathe. And then you ride 100 miles and you do like 10,000 feet of climbing. It's just to watch people finish his tears. So Brent's racing and he's got a self program and we're cheering him on and we're helping him out. We meet him at different locations. And I'm like, okay, Brent, I'm kind of timing it and I know where he should be. And Brent, um, you know, I'm waiting like Brent's okay. Here's eight hours, Brent's. And I saw some guys. I'm like, all right, where's Brent? And then I see some other guys. And I'm like, all right, you got like 30 minutes, dude. Like, where are you? I see um, one of my friends, Brian Gordon, who was really instrumental in training Brent when Brent was younger. He's a great friend. He works for a company I should mention. They work for Specialized. And him and Brent were good friends and they rode a lot together. And Brian was in the first corral. So Brian kind of comes through. And I'm like, where's Brent? Where's Brent? And Brian's like, dude, Brent freaking killed it. Because Brent caught Brian because Brent's crawl was behind Brian. Brian probably bonked or something. And this last climb is brutal. And Brian's like, Brent pulled me through the climb, dude. He's amazing. And I look up and here comes Brent across the finish line. And I mean, oh, yeah. I, I look down in tears, dude. Oh, I'm yeah. So proud because I knew what he went through and what he did to do that. And he got his big belt buckle. And he was destroyed, but when I <laughs> threw and uh, Rob McGee, another guy that was on the team, team is Brian. He's like, Mike Brent was a lifesaver to us. We couldn't have made it at Brent help. Like I was, it was, but it, that's why it's magical because these guys suffered like you've never believed and you can't, I can't even fathom it. I would never finish Lego. And I mean, wow. even at my best shape, I probably couldn't have done it. So that's what made that event so magical. And it was Man. just, it was very rewarding, but that's, that's, what it is mike that is awesome that's a great story yeah, man i love yeah. how he's always wanted that i did you want to come in uh, we have some people in the chat here and uh waiting for them to to get in but uh trail pimp is here he says hello from carlsbad california Hi, we got brett hall the owner of a clothing company called unspoken he's out he's actually out your neck of the woods nice. um, johnny you out in miami is in the house mountain by q a another podcast show out of the east coast out of miami yeah, I'm getting um, some, we're getting some history here man heck whoa, whoa. yeah heck yeah mtb mini bomber uh the son of a purple heart veteran uh nice. this kid is awesome he's got it's his own youtube bad, channel dude. exactly shout out to the vets out there uh Venikava, mtb what's up what's up brother good to see you out of riverside writing my best life out there what's up fellow tasco writer and hey, uh, let's I, I go I believe he's out there in uh remember Jason, are you in Utah? I think you're in Utah out that way. Yeah, that guy that guy's Tasco, the owner's awesome, man. Nate's a good dude, man. You're Nate with the right guy. Love Nate that. Miller's a good dude. Right. He's a jet yeah, skier. He, he is, yes, exactly. Right and dirty says, yo, yo, what up, homies? He's out of Arizona. Um Debbie Keo, producer Deb, uh, she does a lot of production work in, in uh, California, but she's out uh, Rancho Cucamonga. She's on here. She says, what's up? I'm a little bit late. Um, when you were talking about jet skiing and Lake Elsinore, Uncaged, our, our podcast engineer actually chimed in and said, green water, green water. Yes, I know. Well, there was so green, <laughs> there was like algae floating in it. Like, yeah, it was <laughs> it actually, it was like the summer, you couldn't even go out there. 
Exactly. It's 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 like the largest body of water, like non-man-made, but so shallow, right? It gets hot. Uh, Spokesman MTV out of Northern California says he sold Rocky Mountain water. <laughs> oh, it's the alarm coming. Give me one minute. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'll, I'll catch up with the chats. Uh, Budo Dave, what's up, Budo Dave? Good to see you, brother. Budo Dave saying Mike Franz. Franzi, Franzi is a solid dude. Um, spokesman in here, always question about uh, that 140 millimeter travel. I know, right? So back downhill days, 140, I mean, I think he said he was in the 80s when when he had that 140 travel. That is pretty crazy. Um, guest star, uncaged MTB mini mark. <laughs> That's awesome, man. We had uh, John here. Joe, Joe, you're on mute, buddy. What is what is it, Joy? We can't hear you, bud. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, little man opened the door and walked in. That was the mini mark comment. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I saw. Madison's been homesick this week. It's been a, a crazy week, but he's feeling better. But yeah, he walked in. He's like, "Oh, dad's on a podcast." Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Trail pimp is asking, "Can you do the Fullerton Loop from your shop?" Oh, interesting. Absolutely, question. man. You we can. are Fullerton Loop. Yes, it's literally uh, maybe less than a half mile from here. Oh, so they could park the park the car at the hey, shop, do some shopping. Hang out. Go ride. There you we'll go. Take you. We do tons of rides from our shop. We do a Monday night bike and Bible ride at the courthouse. We do as much as we can. But yeah, you can. That no is problem. awesome. Trail Pimp Medi, check it out. Uh, you got to get to the shop. You're half a mile there. This is where Big John B chimed in. Said half a mile. Yeah, there it goes. Half a mile on the street bike path. You just ride the bike path down there. Um Spokesman says, I want to try that ride. Apparently, I keep hearing about it. Definitely, definitely. It's a weird ride. It's nothing crazy, but there's not too many places you can, like an urban mountain bike ride. It's fun. I mean, there's been some deaths on it, but it's not like Greer or Whiting Ranch. It's just a fun place and ride by these million-dollar homes, and it's awesome. It's an awesome, fun ride. I ride it tons and tons of times. Mike, I've been seeing a lot of footage coming out of there recently. I don't know if someone just built, like, a couple jump line features Ooh, in there, but there's been uh, some. They built – so that's in the – field and that's kind of away from off the loop but it was okay. dude it was rad i found it i've been right up there for years where they were but these guys this brian dude he went and built this place let me tell you these guys made it rad it was like sky park on steroids and there was Ooh. like 40, 50 people up there hitting these gaps and jumps and videos yes. and then Chevron oil figured out what's going on and of course they tore it down oh but is it already gone? gone oh man it was so good for the community i could go up there after work and half the guys that come in the shop were all riding, and they were so pumped, and everybody was pumped. It's the community is a little different than Greer, but it was it was stuff that you don't get on a normal mountain bike trail by the city because we had ladder jumps and yes. coffin jump, and they had this one called Calico, like Knott's Berry Farm. It was rad. Buddies, <laughs> man, hats off. These guys worked an amazing job up there. So if, I don't know if he sees this podcast, Brian, but you are a dude. Dude, Brian, thank you so much. I, I didn't get a chance to hit it, but I saw some great footage coming out of there for sure. I know Tommy and the Reckless Riders hit that and got some footage of it. It looked it looked legit, legit. It was awesome. It was awesome. Trail yes, Reckless Riders are cool. Yeah, Trail Pimp saying, yeah, I hear it's a fun loop. So um, definitely. So Spokesman says, if you don't race bikes, then you're you're no son of mine. When we were talking about the part where uh, he was, uh, Brett was feeling a little bit like he wanted to get out of BMX. And then... Um, uh, Ryan Vesslice says, yes, we got uh, a couple others. Um, Ed is asking, oh, wait, always great conversation, people. What up, Mark and Mike? There you go. What's awesome. up, brother? Uh, Ryan Vesslice, conditions are prime. Right season is here. St. Yeah, George. Okay. Yeah, Woo. that's legit. Hurricane. Yeah, it's gnarly. Hurricane, Virginia, yeah. or Virgin, Virginia, Virgin. <laughs> well, 
enchilada. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. So, so good. Um, we got, uh, we may come, we can't, yeah, there you go. We may come by. So, actually, out. what we might do, like, we do like a lot of rides, not a lot, but we do some. And I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, we'll post something. I might, if I don't, we always just do a Thanksgiving Day ride that blew up and we can get like 100 people out there. We might post that again on our Instagram. So, Trail Pimp, follow us, FB Bicycles on Instagram. Um, I'll post it there, and uh, we get a lot of people in the morning before Thanksgiving. Wife's making dinner, doing her thing. You can go out like eight o'clock and do the loop. It's pretty cool. Uh, we got a big road ride coming up here from, uh, obviously a mountain biker, but we're doing a sixty-mile road loop here in a couple weeks with Rasan Bahadi, who is a national multi-professional road champion. So it's cool. But we do stuff like that at the community when we can. Now that COVID's over, um, I try to give back what I can. So Mike, good. Look- Let's take him to this weekend. Trail Pimp, if you're actually, he's he's from out of town, but saying that he's in Southern California now, it's definitely worth the trip this weekend. Tell him what you got going on this weekend with the BMX. Yeah, we're kind of, you know, like through the whole podcast here, I talked about my history at BMX and the sport and stuff. So I kind of created this flyer. It's on my Instagram page. Uh, it's BMX Reunion, a lot of the old school, the greats of the greats. They're just going to hang out at Fullerton Bikes. A lot of these guys haven't seen each other, so it kind of gives the old pros of the 80s a chance to catch up. Then we're going to do a little chill, old school BMX type bike ride from our shop to Fullerton Loop. And then from Fullerton Loop to Parks BMX, which is the BMX track that I built that was famous. Mm-hmm. That I talked about in the podcast. What's, you know, and it's, it has a piece of history if you were a BMXer. So we're going to do that. And then they're going to ride back here. We'll have some beers, some pizza, and kind of hang out. So that's going on if you have any interest. But you'll see parts of the Fullerton Loop. You can't do the whole loop because we don't have enough time. A lot of these guys are BMX bikes, but it'll be pretty cool. Sweet. And you don't have to show up with the BMX, right? If you have a mountain bike, you can come and bike and girl bike it doesn't matter it's that's all it's all for just the love of the cycling you know what i mean that is awesome and then let's go ahead i know we're over we're an hour already which is crazy wow. how fast it goes but mike let's let's plug the shop a little bit um what kind of bikes are you do you have in there right now i know there for a while there was a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff about like can't get bikes but now inventory's back where are you with that and do you have any promos going on right now so yeah so let's, i mean yeah lauren <laughs> Eat some beer. And oh, yes. you know, pizza and beer, people get excited. <laughs> you know, obviously during COVID, I know we're over a limit here. We'll get done for this in a few minutes. During COVID, it was crazy, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm going to plug a company, and it's called Giant Bicycles. They they came to the table for me. Um, nice. Without Giant, this podcast at this shop might not even exist. You know, they, they really? were just so great to me. And I worked wow. my rear end off, let me tell you. I uh, It wasn't easy. But... You know, we went from no bikes, not getting bikes, to getting bikes, and everybody knows the deal. They were in the bike industry. Yeah. So obviously, where'd they all go? <laughs> for all the guys that bought all these bikes, the wrong pink bike. But so, what? Long story here. You know, with COVID, it was different. Um, what happened is, you know, obviously, the whole COVID thing kind of stopped. But we were still selling bikes. We knew it was going to come to an end, and it's going to slow down and get back to normal, right? Well. It got back to normal pretty fast. Um, mm. I shut stuff down. I got pretty conservative coming in about three to four months ago, but we were still busy. If I would have done that, maybe three months prior to that, we'd be in really good shape. So we got a little heavy inventory, you know. And I'm not, you know, but heavy on some and not on another. So you know, we're running a pre-Black Friday sale. We got stuff. I got some e-bikes over fifteen hundred dollars off. I got tons of stuff on sale. So Giant's my big brand. Obviously, I have three stores. I got the e-bike store which I purchased right before COVID, and that's a little bit different clientele, but we do Orbea bikes over there and they're amazing. Orbea yeah. mountain bike, e-bikes. Yeah. Oh boy. Game changer. So we're big, big giant. 
Fullerton Bikes is big, big Santa Cruz as well. We do a lot of Santa Cruz business. I got inventory in high towers and mega towers, nomads. I got all that stuff that's really good. We do Ibis. Ibis is a big player for us. I got all my Ibis Ripmo AFs and Ripley AFs on nice. huge sale. So we're good there. Uh, my Buena Park store does Santa Cruz and Giant as well. They do a good job for us over there. But they have we have bikes on sale. You know, even beach cruisers and city bikes. I just need to get my inventory down a little bit. I want to try to get down before the end of the year. I have a storage unit that I want to get rid of and save that money. So we're making some deals, not to promote Fullerton bikes, but I know a lot of bike shops are. But I'm got inventory and I'm pretty aggressive. I just want to bring my inventory down. So we're doing a yeah. sale now, and then we'll do a big Black Friday. Follow me on Instagram. We'll post a flyer. It's all good. FD Bicycles. Uh, we do, we do a good job for that, you know. Excellent. Excellent. That's great to know. It's always like, these are the bikes that I like. And uh, we're kind of go to get them for a good deal. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren out of Miami, uh, one of the uh, awesome folks here that's uh, that likes to jump on the show. She's a wife of uh, Mountain Bike Q&A, Johnny Yu, who, ho who hosts Mountain Bike Q&A, says, hey, what bike would you recommend for a more than uh, marginally hesitant newbie rider that may or may not kill their husband when they bring them on a trail they're not ready for? So, you know, that's a great question. And I get that when I sell bikes every day. Johnny, you know? How can I delete my wife's comments? <laughs> no, no, you can't because I saw it on Reddit. So we're going to hold it. Okay, so just yeah. think about this, you know. Um, essentially, <laughs> what? it just depends on what you want to spend. But if you're in that market for under $2,500, Giant Trance is probably the best value out there. Hands, It's more bike than anybody can deliver. Put it that way. Yeah, it's a good bike. That's out of the price point. Then go to the Giant Stance. And that's an amazing bike because during COVID, everybody got those checks for like 1600 bucks. That bike, 1600 bucks. Guess what we sold? Every single stance you could ever fathom upon. So really, anyway, wow. that's where you want to go. Giant France. France <laughs> Get my yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So Giant Trance, Lauren, or Giant Stance. Yeah. Exactly. Either one of those will be a great one, and uh, it's more than enough bikes so that you don't end up killing Johnny out there. Hey, in, in Florida people, I just pray that you guys are good, man. That hurricane, I watched some of those videos. Let me tell you, I don't know where you live, but, man, that's devastating, and I just pray you guys are good. It looks like they're doing a great job out there. The governor and everybody's just kicking butt and getting you guys back. It's, that's that's It's tragedy, and I, my heart bleeds for that community. Sorry. Definitely. Definitely. No, no. Th that's a great shout out. Hope everyone was safe out there. I think that they got lucky where they are in Miami. Um, but man, there's a lot of devastation in and around them. I'm sure they're affected by a lot of folks they know yes, that got hit. Of course. Uh, like 911. Yeah, exactly. Lauren's actually dialing in another question. Follow-up says, do you need dual suspension to do it right? So here's an, I'll give you a quick answer to that. Yes and no. It just depends who you ride with and where you want to ride. If you're riding with guys on mega towers and reins and transex and all these different types of bikes, and you go out there on a $1,500 hardtail, it's not going to work. Mm. So if your group of riders is riding a full suspension bike, then you should ride a full suspension bike. If you're just getting started, you know, you can get a hardtail from 800 to 1600. That's up to you. It just depends on where you see yourself in six months. And what I hate to do when I sell bikes is I hate to sell you that $800 bike, then you come back later and wish you would have got that $1,600 bike. Right. So look at yourself in three or four months from now riding. And the trail and the people you ride with and compare yourself to them but that's my my advice to you good call good call that's a great answer that's a great answer uh terry wood was actually saying shout out to the monday night bike and bible group there you go yeah yeah spokesman, spokesman yep. in northern california saying trance stance glance pants in france that's where my daughter is right now after her graduation my wife gets home tonight I have to pick her up at uh, <laughs> 9 o'clock after a 28-hour travel time. 
Oh it's my like gosh. Minister connecting flight, it's a mess. But oh man, she's gonna be I, sleeping. She's gonna yeah, be sleeping in the car time. home for sure. For sure. Uncage yep. saying giant trans, my first two full suspension bikes. Yeah, seriously. Smart man. Good stuff. It says uh Johnny saying, Thank you. We we are good. Miami, Miami it rained. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Is anyone riding Snow Valley this weekend? And the chats is going off. Um, also, thank you so much. We're fine here, but it's so tragic for our West Coast neighbors. Yeah, yeah, right you got it. You got it. Terry Hardwood, Ter Terry Woodward here is in the is in there. She's saying hardtail for life. Gotta love those hardtails, man. You know, I, I, as a being a fat old guy like myself, I still love and put my leg over my giant XC carbon bike. There's nothing like a hardtail. I'm getting it's a little harder to ride, but let me tell you, she's a smart person. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, it it keeps you honest, from what I understand, man. There's very little room for error on those, but I'm sure with yeah. the BMX background, it yeah. helps out a lot, you know. Well, you know, it's funny if you watch the World Cup cross country races. Christopher Blevins was one of the top finishers of American, and he was an amazing BMX racer. And it's because he knows how to pedal a bike, and he spent so many years racing BMX. He's got that ability that a lot of people don't know because he just knows how to ride a, like, ride a hardtail. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of folks they pull in like it's somewhere like a summit and they have their o-rings are barely used because they're just bmxers they know how to like take Three off and land and, yeah it's important yeah. it's good it's, it's huge whereas i have a 170 mil travel bike and it's like my o-rings all the way up to the top yeah. <laughs> I don't know. ssb says mike sold my giant bike to the ssb family hey um, brother b you know we've sold a lot of bikes to that family that's uh remember where smb remember where ssb started heroes restaurant over lunch yeah. Gotcha, <laughs> Shout he, out to as uh, SSB. We've shared it. We have a good history. He's a good guy, part of the family. Yeah, good. Good. Very involved in the community, which is cool because the community is everything. It's everything. Godfather. He's yep. the Godfather. He is. Yes. I'm going to Flamis. <laughs> exactly. Side by side. You just had to build a car. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's gonna be some great footage. I know that he just got back from Glamis out there yeah. with Laris. They were filming a bunch yeah. out there. So and they had to build a car and that thing you could eat off it. Yeah. I think basically to detail it all day after it comes back because it's immaculate clean. I can't get mine that clean. <laughs> <laughs> How does he do it? How? Exactly. How? <laughs> oh man. Awesome Mike, though. Mike, it's been awesome having you on the podcast, bro. Nice. I'm I'm so grateful for you to be able to come to come to the podcast and share your story and talk about the history and i loved how everything came full circle for you i'm just it curious did. now uh, will, the, I, jet, will the jet ski come back it just, it's just i don't know man i just i give glory to god and i'm not here preaching religion but i'm a blessed man and you know people come in and out of your life your whole entire life and i don't hate anybody um i'm grateful for all the friends that i made whether it be bmx or jet ski or Fullerton bikes, I mean, or my old jobs. I'm so grateful for that. And I learned so much in my life and, you know, like reconnected with an old friend and we talked and just life is just awesome. When you really look at it, you know, it really is. And yeah, you know, I don't know. I get emotional sometimes thinking about how awesome life is and how much we, how fortunate I've been, you know, and we see it. So I, 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 I think, I think our dear Lord save every day for that. And, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I screw up. I'm not, I'm, I'm human. I get dressed the same way you do, you know, and, and I'm just grateful that this for the bike community and I'm grateful, you know, not that 9-11 happened, but that put me here today. And I'm grateful, you know, for all my jet ski friends that I've reconnected with and riding that and being with my family and going to the river and riding bikes and logging miles. I rode with my employees today and 
we rode and we get 20 miles on the road bikes, had coffee. And it was just, it's just, it's freaking great. I'm 57 years old and I'm so grateful. I got so much that I want to continue to do in my life. And I want to just enjoy my life, enjoy my family. And you never know where you're, you're going to end up or how you're going to end up or where you're going to end up or who you're going to end up with. You just, we don't know, we don't have a crystal ball, but I just want to enjoy that and really be grateful. And, you know, hopefully someday I, you know, I, I, I when I'm six feet under or if I get cremated, whatever, it's going to happen. The day you're born is the day you begin to die. I just really want to go down as half the man my father was and, and be looked at and respected um, for what I did and what I tried to do, whether it be friends, communities, bike shop, it doesn't matter, just people in general. And I'm not afraid to hug people and tell them I love them and I don't even met them. You know, I sold two bikes yesterday, this family from Victorville or Barstow, and I gave this dude a hug. I go, love you, man. I, and I appreciate you supporting Florida. And this guy looked at me and he goes, dude, you guys are awesome. You know, so I made him feel good, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about is making people feel good. We live in a crazy world, as we know, and everybody's glued to these things, looking at what's going on. And yeah. it's, it's just crazy. But like we talked about the 80s, that's who we are. It's our DNA. That's our life. And that's uh, right. I'm so I'm so grateful and so thankful that everything's worked out. And I wouldn't change a thing. The shots been broken into. I had 12 broken windows during COVID. They came Jeez. through my roof. They sold $30,000. Oh and it just makes me want to cry. But when I look at the big scheme, I am just, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. And that's what I'm going to close with is just, I am, I'm blessed and grateful, buddy. That's all I can say. That's awesome. I'm grateful to a lot of people, family, yeah. you know, just everybody. That's awesome, brother. Dude, thank you for everything you do for the community, for the for the biking community, all of us. Uh, it's awesome. And I know those two bikes, when they go to a new home out in Victorville or Barstow or whatever, I bet it makes you smile knowing that those bikes are going to bring adventure. And like you said, life, we're just limited on time. Yep. And we can't yep. make more of it, but we can make the time count. So absolutely, so stoked that you're grateful, man. Really appreciate being on the podcast. You guys are awesome, man. I'm stoked. Thanks, B, for hooking me up with you. I appreciate it. I mean... Looks like you got some good stuff going on, and it's pretty cool. Hats off to you, man, for like being this deep and only riding for two years. Like, uh, you're a good dude. I don't know what you, what else do you do. What's your what's give me a real quick before we close here. What what's your deal? Where do you come from? What do you do? Yeah, so I I uh, I live in Murrieta, California. Right. Yep, and I uh, came from the skateboard world, okay. um, turned corporate world after college, and uh, been doing that since 2000 until good today. Awesome. So, but found mountain biking and found that Stoke again after college degrees, corporate world, kids. I love it. I love it. Yeah, those that two wheels. What you're doing, the community needs people like you. Oh, and thanks. Uh, it's things that like this. There's a lot of it out there, but I could just tell by just watching this podcast and looking at you and the stuff you put in. You're pretty legit, dude, and uh, you're gonna go far in the sport. And I tell you, people appreciate what you do. I know it. I can just sense it in who you are and the way you produce yourself. You're awesome, dude. Don't don't stop. Don't Thanks. stop. Keep going. Thanks, Mike. I love it, man. Love I really too, man. appreciate awesome. it. Cool. Dude, I, I can't wait. Good luck this weekend, folks. If you get a chance, head on over to Fullerton Bikes this weekend. BMX show. Some of the folks from the 80s bringing it back. Go say what's up to Mike. He's got bikes on sale as well. Let's Please. take care of you. All, good. All, All right, right, guys. Have a Thank great you. day. Good to see everybody. Ciao.
and senders, that is the end of episode what? 88. Exactly. Ow, baby. It goes so fast. I really appreciate Mike Franzi uh, jumping on the podcast there. Hope you guys enjoyed his story. Hey, look, if you are in and around the Fullerton area, pop on in, say hi to Mike. And actually, if you mentioned that you heard Mike in this podcast, he'll take good care of you if you need anything bike related there from his store also want to say thank you so much for tuning into these shows really really appreciate you guys downloading it i see that the channel is growing and if you are using a platform that allows you to listen and review the show if you wouldn't mind just giving the segment podcast a review it really helps the algorithm get this out to more and more folks and always want to leave you with this hey dream big for for it's free right just dream big and then when you find a dream that really just makes you think about it write down those goals that help you get closer to that dream and hey you could be living it very very soon hope you guys are doing well out there thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode